This is the Plan Simple Podcast. The one for you, my dear, the woman who wears so many hats. We both know how many people in your life benefit when you're at your best. What would happen if you were to ditch overwhelm and wear all those hats with ease? I'm going to share how simple this can be. We will dive into how to make health, family, home, spirituality, productivity, and entrepreneurship more easeful. Incredible friends and guests will come by for inspirational conversations, valuable shares, and real strategies so you can plan for your best life. My name is Mia Moran. I'm a mother of three, a wife, an entrepreneur, a coach, and your host. I wear a lot of hats, and I am committed to leading a balanced life and sharing all that I have learned and am learning with you. You're ready? Let's flow. Hey, welcome to this episode of the Plan Simple Podcast. I'm so excited to be here with you today. All right, I have a question for you. Do you ever dismiss or maybe just minimize what your kids are feeling? Do you ever feel like their emotions are just a tad bit out of control? <laughs> well, that's why I invited our guest on today. I'm really, really excited to talk with Dr. Ambrose Pass-Turner, who's a doctor of counseling psychology and author of Rex's Journey, Helping Children Understand and Cope with Emotions. So we're going to dive into emotional intelligence and helping kids regulate their emotions. And we're going to get into really all the things that we really can be doing as parents to help our kids in this way. And I asked Dr. Ambrose on because this has been one of my huge lessons in the past, let's say in the pandemic. Um, I feel like it's always something that I was doing sort of naturally. It was definitely part of my my understanding of simplicity parenting, which I know you all know that I I love really thinking about parenting from that perspective. And yet I didn't really have the words around emotional intelligence until the past, like let's call it four years, when I had a kid who was really not thriving. And I started to understand what my job as a mother of a teen really is um, at a level that I'm so grateful I got to learn. And it was all about really tending to her emotional intelligence, and I would say mine too. And we get into all of that in this episode today. So I'm so excited, so excited to have Dr. Ambrose Pasturner on, and we're going to welcome her in one minute. But before we do that, I just have a couple of announcements. So it's an exciting time of year. Um, we are transitioning from summer energy into fall energy. And I know that many of us feel different ways about this transition. Some of us are just such summer people, and the idea of fall feels 
depleting and not so great. Some of us just love fall and are excited for summer to end and to buy backpacks and pens and pencils and planners and all the new things, and that feels really exciting. Some of us are somewhere in the middle, and for many of us, there's if we have a family with multiple people in the household, there might be different people feeling different ways about a change of season. And every human, I think, deals with change and transition in different ways. Um, I can definitely see that having three kids. I have, you know, one who hates transitions. And you'd think I would recognize what was happening in certain situations. And then and then I remember, oh yes, this is a transition too. And this is a transition too. And I have others who really thrive on them and love the idea of like thinking about them and planning them or, or they're heading into the season that they really love. So we're all a little bit different in this. And so I really want to honor this transition and I want you to really thrive during this time. I hear a lot, um, especially from my entrepreneur colleagues and clients that, you know, I'm just going to ride it out through mid-September and then I'm going to be able to jump back into work at the level that I really want to. And the ride it out part is usually like, you know, tending to kids, which we want to be able to do well and or saying goodbye to a child who's heading off to college. I've got that happening this, this time too. And it's a lot. And what I find, though, is that when we don't sit down and get really intentional about all the things, all the different parts of us, including the how we want to show up in those first two weeks when we say we're not tending to our work and we want to tend to our kids, like what does all that look like and how does it unfold? So that is what we are going to do uh, in the first workshop, I'm going to call it of this season because it's going to be a full workshop season this fall. And so the first one, which is coming up at the end of August, we are going to make a plan. We're going to make a high level plan for this fall. We're really going to understand the different parts of you and how you want to show up in the different areas of your life around your kids, your health, your home, your work, your spirituality, all the different parts. I probably just didn't even name them all, but all the different parts of you, okay? We're going to show up and plan for all of them. That's coming up. So check that out on the website if you want to be a part of that. It's a free workshop. And I'm super excited to be hosting that because I want everyone to transition with just ease and grace and fun and excitement into this season, which I really do believe we can get to through this planning process. And then September is going to mark a time in our program, Flow 365, where we're diving into motherhood and what it means to really plan for motherhood, what it is that we want to be tending to. And this is not about creating a grid of carpools and little league practices. This might include that, but it's also about how do we care for ourselves? How do we tend to what we're going to talk about on this podcast today with Dr. Ambrose Fast-Turner? How do we tend to the emotional intelligence of our kids? And we also are going to get, I'm going to ask Dr. Ambrose um, Fast-Turner a lot about self-care today too. So we're going to talk about that as well in September in, in Easeful Motherhood, which we'll be running um, in 
in Flow 365 during the month of September. So we are going to also host a workshop that talks about what it looks like to plan for ease around motherhood. And that's going to come up after we plan the fall um, in early September. So look for that coming too. So sign up for something. And then the best way to find out about things is to be on our email list. And if you're on our email list, the best way to get into these things is to open the emails, right? So look for our emails and also open our emails and sign up and come to these workshops. I'm pretty committed to having one or two free workshops a month throughout the fall because I really want to go through the different aspects that makes us whole and how we plan and tend to our plans and our visions for all the different parts of ourselves. So we're going to work our way sort of around a circle this fall, and I would love you to be a part of that. And again, the best way is to sign up for something so you're on our email list, and then you can keep getting those workshop notifications. I will also keep sharing them here, but I'm I'm confident that um, – Email is the easiest way to come sign up, all right? And also, we, we keep our website up to date, so you can always go to plansimple.com. But one of the things I'm committed to doing is not have you not having to remember all the things, which is why I love the email route. All right, that was a lot of announcement. It's an exciting time. It's a full time, and we're going to all rock it, all right? So let's get the amazing Dr. Ambrose Pasturner on the show. You ready? All right, let's do this. Dr. Ambrose Pasturner, welcome to the Plan Simple Podcast. I'm so excited to be here talking about what we're going to be talking about today. So welcome. Well, thank you. It's um, a pleasure to be here. All right. So you just wrote a book, so we're going to tell everybody about it in a minute. But tell us a little bit about what you do. Tell us about your background before we get into our topic of today. Okay. Okay. Well, um, I am um, a doctor, counseling psychologist, and also the owner of APT Counseling Services, which is a um, behavioral health agency. Um, I provide counseling to children, adults, um, criminals within the uh, criminal justice system and families. I'm also a professor at Grand Canyon University and Georgia Military College, where I spend time preparing future professional counselors um, to begin their careers. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. And and I asked you before we went on, so I know that you also balance that with you have a family of your own. So you're a very busy woman in your career and you have children who are, you know, adults, I guess, I guess they're almost adults or some are adults and, um, you know, you have a home and all the things. So you're balancing a lot. Yes. I just want to point that out because I think that's important for everyone to hear. <laughs> I, you know, I, and, you know, and I was just talking to someone earlier today, um, a young mother, cause I had a session before we came on and her thing was feeling guilty. Um, not spending enough time with her son. She's a registered nurse and now she's in nurse practitioner school. But like I was telling her when we ended our session that, you know, sometimes we have to make sacrifices to get to where we need to be, you know, but in the end, it all pays off, you know, so, you know, don't have to feel guilty, you know, you just sometimes you have to do what you have to do. 
so that your child will be set in the end. <laughs> yes. Oh my right? God. So good. Yes. Yes. The guilt does not, well, the guilt actually is interesting because I want to come back to the guilt actually, after we talk about all the things we're going to talk about, because it's an interesting component to that. So we're really going to talk about emotional intelligence, right? Today, I think that's what we're going to talk about and how we can pass this on to our kids, because that is the topic of this latest book that you've written for kids. So tell us, let's, let's like take a step back, like about... I just, I guess I want everyone to hear why us helping our children to become emotionally intelligent human beings, like why this is really important right now. Like, why is this something that we have to be doing? And um, I just feel like we're at this moment in history where we really have to take some things back as parents that, that maybe we assumed school and life would just give them. And I feel like this is a big one of those ones. I think it's important for us as parents to be able to teach our children um, social emotional development um, because the, the family system is the first teachers of our children. And we know from research that when children learn how to regulate their emotions, you know, they have less stress, they have less anxiety, and they're better able to problem solve situations. So it's it's very it's very important um, that parents we we start at home um, with um, listen to our child, validate those emotions when they have them and teach them how to work through it. It's okay to be anger angry um, because we, we 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 all have that sometimes, but how do we work through it in a more appropriate way? that don't, you know, lead the kids to get in trouble. Okay. So I'm so excited to hear your answer to that question. And it's interesting because I feel like a lot of times, and I don't even think we necessarily do this on purpose or consciously, right? Like, but it's just like, we want so badly for everything to be okay with our kids that I think so often we go into like fix it mode and then in fix it mode, we're, we're almost like telling them to bury their emotions, which, you know, you and I, like we all kind of, if we think about it long enough, probably understand isn't the right answer, but it's so easy to do in the moment when you're just like trying to get through dinner or trying to get through the grocery store line or whatever it is that you're trying to do. So tell us a little bit about, about how we can, how we can really empower our kids in this way, what what that looks like besides and, and and I know that we have a great tool that we can read to them now for the littler ones. Let me yeah, so let me just tell you that's what Rex's journey is all about. It's empowering kids to take control of those emotions. Um, so basically, let me tell you a little bit about the book. It's this Rex's journey, and it's about this little boy who starts to experience these different these different types of emotions, but he doesn't know why. You know, and so he watched things around him happen. Um, kids don't want to play with him. You know, he's just angry all the all the time. But once he's taken to a counselor, he's able to um, understand what's going on with him. And he's able to work through that. So one way, good way to work that through, if you see your child is angry, you want to start to teach your kids maybe um, some um, coping skills. So like, you know, Johnny, when you feel upset or angry, what I want mommy want you to do is just take a cup of deep breaths and calm down. 
And the one that I like is the is the one count in on four, hold for four, and release on four. Because I guarantee you, if they do it correctly, you feel it up here. And then once it comes you down, I want you to say, okay, let's start over. So it's just things like that. And another thing is, how do you help children cope with different emotions? The things that they love, the things that they enjoy. You know, you look like you're having a bad day today. What about if we just go and read a book together? Or why don't you go read to me? Oh, you can have a few minutes to go play with your dollhouse. You know, so the things that they, the things that make them happy, not the things that make us happy, but the things that brings a smile to their face are the things that we want to use to help them work through any difficult times, whether it's grief of a loved one, grief of a dog, animals, because I know how children love animals because I do too. You know, you use, those are your go-to things to help them work through that and always validate what they're feeling. Don't dismiss what they're feeling. I love that. Okay. Validating what they're feeling. So what's the best way? Because I feel like this is another area (laughs) where we can get a little over-involved as parents Um, because there's a difference. I mean, this is my understanding is there's sort of a difference between validating and maybe indulging. Right. So like, I feel like we have the power to make the situation worse. Um, So Will you talk about some of the ways that we can validate? Like, what does validating look like? So if a child is really anxious or really upset about something, how do we validate that for them in the most, you know, nurturing way? Exploration. What are you, what are you angry, upset about? Well, I don't know, what's her name? Wouldn't talk to me today because she was with her other friends. Okay. Well, you know. Maybe sometimes that happens, you know, but maybe she wasn't having a good day herself, you know. And so you just try to help them to process things and work through it. But you try to look at the positive side of it. It's easy to say, well, that's good. Just don't speak to her again. I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) Or or I'm going to go call her mom, right? Like, which doesn't help ever. Because what we do is you're teaching her because when she grows up, she's going to encounter that as she get older. Yeah. She has to know how to process it and how to be able to work through it. Yes. I love that. And is there anything that changes with age? I mean, I know, you know, you and I both have, well, I have slightly younger teens than you and you have older teens and you wrote a book for, how old is the book? What is the age of the book? Like what, what was that written for your book? Um, which one, well, this one, usually we go from five to 12, but I actually, I've read to kids in middle school. Yes. <laughs> so it's really for all ages. So it's really, yeah. Yeah. You know, from four on up, but I've read it to kids in middle school. Okay. So then, then my question becomes, and you know, by the way, if, if for anyone who's listening, like I have a feeling that we could get into stuff that maybe you wouldn't want to be listening to as you're driving with your kids. So I'm just going to say that out loud now, but um, because you're just going to go get Dr. Ambrose Pasterner's book and then you're going to read that to your kids. But I feel like we're in this time right now where, yes, kids still have the normal things. They get upset about the friends. They're upset about a grade. I mean, there's so many just things that really happened to every child. So I love all of this because it really normalizes that. 
And I have noticed that we're in a very, you know, it, it must be a really hard time to be a kid. I just, I feel like I have so much love and sympathy for all kids right now because it's hot, like a, the uncertainty of the pandemic. It, you know, it literally drove adults crazy. So obviously that was passed down to children. There's, I feel like the anxiety, the level of anxiety right now is so high for a variety of reasons. You know, hard things have happened in schools and, um, you know, and the, you know, just all that there's been a lot, right. There's been a lot going on. So does that, does that differ in any way? Or is that still, are we still doing the same, the same things? I just feel like everything's so heightened right now. So I'm, I feel like everything you've shared so much, I mean, shared so much shared already really normalizes us talking to our kids about emotions and then them talking about emotions or feeling emotions and processing emotions themselves. Um, and I feel like there's this more like system, systematic like just there's this more systemic thing that's going on right now and I'm wondering if you have anything different to say about that well I I do agree I I know that the pandemic has been just imagine how difficult it it has been on us as parents and when we start to think about the children because during the pandemic has been one of my busiest time in my practice and especially with when school is in, um, too, because of the some people having to go online, we saw an increase in anxiety, you yep. know, stress, and, and children trying to to adjust to everything that's going on. So I think that it's it, it's very important. It has been difficult for them, and you know, when we look at some of the things that are occurring in the world today, you know, when we all this like mass shootings and things, you know, when I. See, see it on the news. The first time, whenever they show um, a picture or photo of the person who committed it, my first mind goes to what has gone on in that child's life to get them to that point. They just don't arrive there that day. There are things that have occurred throughout the lifetime, and usually it starts in early childhood. And it manifested where they are now. And I think all of some of that has to do with um, not being able to process those emotions and a lot of hurt and pain, you know, that sometimes they encounter. So it has a lot, I think. And so I will, and I will share, you don't know this because we're new friends, but my listeners know this because they've heard me talk about it over the past year. But so I have three kids and um, my middle one who they're, they're all teenagers. So the middle one's 16. Um, she had a really hard time um, with her mental health during the pandemic. Like it was a hard, like it really hit her hard. And, you know, I have three kids in the same house, so I could see how it hit her in a different way. And, you know, I'd like to think that, you know, I've been because of just the nature of what I do, like I did learn early on how to hold space really for their emotions and do a lot of what you're saying. And in the past three years, I've had to do it at a very different level. And I think it really helped me to step up into like what my responsibility actually is, which I don't think I was quite so aware of before this happened. And just how much they need us in order to process their emotions, especially when it's hard. And 
you know, I feel like as parents, it's so easy. To, there's so many details to tend to. And literally, there was this time for really close to a year where I, it literally couldn't be about the details for me. Luckily, I had great supports around me. But in terms of me and my girl, it was like 100% around emotions and helping her to get through a day and manage her emotions. And and I, sometimes I, it's like almost like I feel like... I was managing my emotions so I could like literally let her borrow my calmness <laughs> enough to like, you know, really express hers. Um, and it really made me see my role as a mom in a whole different way. Um, because we spend a lot of time doing things that don't matter. And I think if we spent time, I mean, there's a lot of details and obviously everything matters, but the, when, when we feel too busy for this level of like, tending to our kids. I just think it's one of the most important things we can do. So I just want to say that <laughs> in terms of time. And you said something that was that is very important. Modeling for our children is so important. Yeah. When she sees you modeling your positive emotions, you know, kids are quickly to pick up on that. Yes. Yeah. And well, and the, the breath that you shared, which I refer to sometimes as the box breath, right? The, the counting to four um, is a tool that I actually use sometimes because I'm human, just like everyone listening is human. And, you know, if a child's suffering, it can cause us to get, we can remember something from our own child. Like it can make us sad. It can make us angry. It can make us frustrated. Like it can bring all those things. And so that's actually one of the tools I use to calm myself in 16 seconds so that I can actually like approach the situation with some emotional intelligence myself. So I love that strategy. I, I have to do that sometimes too, because I do professional seminars and workshops. And, and sometimes <laughs> before I go on, it's like, I feel a little nervous and anxious. I either do that one or I do the count to 10 backwards going downhill, you know? So yes, <laughs> You know, something about, you know, being very discreet and, you know, you can use that and no one knows, you know, and, and positive self-talk is very, is very important for children. They need to be able to, to, to talk, you know, to say positive, positive things when they're feeling negative feelings or not feeling, you know, very good about themselves, their self-esteem. So that positive self-talk, I always say that little voice in your head that no one can hear but you. You just tell yourself, I know I can do this. I got this and I'm going to do it, you know? Yeah, it's funny. That really is, um, that really is contagious. I will say that, you know, I've been doing a lot of the sort of breath and like mindfulness and like finding my own center for a long time. And a funny story is that, I don't know, maybe five years ago or something, my now 18 year olds came down one day and he's like, you'll never believe what I started doing, but I found on YouTube meditation. And I was like, oh, great. I'm so glad that my six o'clock meditations haven't taught you anything, but I'm so glad you found that on YouTube. And that those are those moments where we just have to be like, okay, it's not about my credit. I've been modeling and here we are. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So another thing I think that you do, because you have another book coming out, you write a lot of books, you're a busy woman, <laughs> is, is talk about ADHD. We I feel like that's another thing that it's coming up a lot more and more lately. So tell us about that. Yes. Majority of the children I see in my practice either have ADHD or ADD or have the symptoms associated with it, but haven't been officially diagnosed. 
Um, so what I did was um, I, I wrote this book and it's, it's Roxy, um, the stars Roxy, but it's called ADHD Warrior. And it's helping children conquer ADHD, unwanted behavior. And so what Roxy does, she tells you about her journey with ADHD. She tells, she takes you through where she got diagnosed at the pediatrician office. And we got a nice pediatrician office in the book. We're the doctor, you know, and where the parents, where the parents, you know, decided that we're not going to, we're not going to go with um, medication, but we're going to make some changes. And this is what I say, parents, it starts at home. Because no matter what, what we do at home, transition out into the real world. So it takes you on her. She takes you on the different types of behavior that you will see children this way with ADHD. And then you see her parents working together to come up with a plan and making some changes at home. You see those teachers getting involved. You see a teacher and parents and Roxy in a teacher conference meeting. And then you start to see the end results. You start to see things get better from her, for her at school and at home. And one important thing in the book that I need parents to, to remember, if you don't get anything from this book, is that perfection is an unrealistic expectation. Our children are not perfect. They're going to make mistakes. And when they make those mistakes, yeah, you know, we don't always have to be so, so harsh on them. We, we point out the good things, you know, because we know with ADHD, you know, they're going to forget sometimes. But we hope that sometimes with age, as they get older, it decreases. For some kids, you know, it, it, it gets better with age. It should be. But they still might still have some issues because it's a chronic condition. There's always going to be something there that to remind us that that child, you know, have, the, have ADHD or ADD. So that's Roxy's. Um, ADHD warrior book. Oh, I love it. I love how you're writing for them so that for the children, so that it really normalizes what they're going through. It's, it's so interesting because I feel like, you know, we live in this world where like we need to normalize emotions. Like so many people have a variety of things, including ADHD. Like, I don't even know what, I don't even know why one would want to be quote unquote normal or what that even means. <laughs> right. But it's interesting how we still cater to that person, right? Like so it's interesting how our school still caters to that the the whatever we created is like the I, I it just baffles me. Cause a lot of this seems like it's about um a lot of this feels like as a family, it's about really being proud of who you are and, and all the pieces, right. And really owning that instead of needing to fit into any sort of box of what you're supposed to do. Because you said something very important when you talked about your three kids, everybody's individual. So I, I look at people for who, who they are. Um, when I when someone comes into my office, I never know what theory I'm going to use. That person dictates that. I, some people just go in and say, I said, how could you do that? I, I've heard colleagues that say, well, all I do is CBT or whatever. I'm like, how can you do that? But we do have to add some CBT, but you add other stuff too. 
you know, more than one, but how could you just strictly say, you know, the person, the person dictates what I would do when that person is sitting in front of me, the things that that person is telling me. And that's when I'm deciding my mind's going hundred miles an hour. We're going to, we're going to try this. We're going to do this theory. We're going to do that because everyone is different. If I just say, I'm just going to use that. then I mean, then that means that I'm not giving that person everything that I have to give them. You know, so everybody's individualized and we have to look at that. But, you know, sometimes I guess when there's so many children in a classroom, it makes it difficult for that for them to do that. And I understand that, you know, but what I write books is because I can't see every children, but I can give you um, the tools that you need parents so that you can help your children. And I know what I write about works because I practice it daily. And I know it works. If if you stick to what I tell you to do, things will get better and you'll see an improvement. But it just shows, you know, in both of the books, how important the family system is. And so if we teach them at home, it's going to transition into the outside world. But everything starts at home. If you structure those children with ADHD, set time for homework, let them know you got homework it's they'll they'll do better. They won't they'll be more better prepared when they transition in the classroom. Not saying that they're not gonna have any issues, but you're gonna see more good days than bad. Okay, so I know that you work with kids and then also obviously if you're working with kids, you're probably talking to their parents. So Tell us a little bit about like, because I know that there's a lot of people thinking like that all sounds great, but I work my butt off and I have to make 27 meals a week. And I, I re- I really, you know, maybe someone's thinking I really want to make that work, but like, I don't even always take a shower, you know, like I feel like there's a lot of parents who, you know, they're in survival mode because it's hard. And um, so what are some simple ways to to really integrate, you know, working on the family system? Because to me, that's one of the biggest um, one of the biggest myths of parenting is that like, we're going to have these kids and we're just going to know what to do. And so for everyone listening, I like, I really don't think that's true. I think it's like, we have to, we have to learn, like, we don't know what to do. It's not, not everything is natural, especially when we're responding to the world around us. Mm -hmm. So for those people who are in that state of overwhelm, do you have any advice for them to, for how to just start? Self-care. I love that you said that. Parent self-care, take care of yourself. Will you explain that? Because I mean, I share this. I mean, I feel like we throw this out a lot in in our industry, on this podcast, in this world. But I love hearing everyone's take of just, because some people are like, what are you talking about? I'm supposed to go manage my kids' emotions. Like, I can't take care of myself first. So tell us why that works. You should... Because you should take care of yourself first so that you can take care of your kids. If you're not where you are mentally, then how are you going to be able to give your kids everything they need? So when I say self-care, because it's limited time, maybe self-care for you may just 15 minutes in that taking a bubble bath where no one can deserve, can, can um, disturb you. Burning some candles. Do you know what I mean? It, it's, it, it's not the, it's not the, um, quantity of time is quality. 
find a few minutes to just do something. The kids, the kids are out with dad or somewhere. A few minutes just to do something. I'm going to, they're going to be back in 30 minutes. I'm going to read a book for 30 minutes. Self-care is, is better. It, it's good because we have to take care of ourselves so that we can give our families what they need. Because you're number one. And if you're not okay, you know, then you're not able to give everything to the other people around us. So it, it starts with just taking care of yourself. And it doesn't, it, remember I said, it's quality. It's not quantity. It's not, you don't need one, two, three, four hours. But in that time frame, when you do it, I want you to do something that you love, something that makes you feel good and something that makes you happy. And from that moment, take your mind off your children, all the worry, all the cooking and cleaning and things you have to do. And that's how you self-care. You know, my self-care for me is I get up every morning and I'm usually at the gym at about 730. Five days a week and on Saturday and Sunday, I work out at home. But you see, I need that for me so that I can give my clients everything that they need and the people around me, you know, and if I miss a day, I, I really can feel it. So we just have to find, you know, what works for us. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And I, I will share. So, I mean, I, I feel like there's different seasons of this, you know, like when our kids are younger, it's like, can I just pee by myself is sometimes self-care, right? Like when, when you're with your kids a lot, sometimes it's like that breath that you shared is self-care, right? Like there's all these flavors. And when, when we were in that little tobacco, it wasn't so little, um, last year, um, my self-care was, so I started off not lead. I mean, I knew how to take care of myself in terms of like I had, I've, because I've been doing this for long enough. Like I, I know that I need walks. I know that I need to wake up before everybody and journal and meditate. Like I had those down pat. And then, you know, there's always new seasons of what these things look like. And what, what ended up happening to me is I was spending a lot of time actually looking for um, support for her. And all of a sudden I was like, you know what? what if I found myself support first? And so I sort of created this team around myself to tend to a lot of what like she was asking me to help her with. And it, it, you know, we didn't actually find her someone right away, but I was able to serve that role because I had somebody to, to, who was helping with my emotions, you know? And so it's like, it really is like a lot of times what I find is that, um, especially because I think a lot of us, like when we first hear self-care, we're like, let's go get our nails done or whatever. But sometimes the easiest way for me is to like mirror exactly what it is that I know I need to give them and do it, do that one thing for myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what I mean. And, and it, you know, parents, we are busy, you know, um, but guess what? We're number one. We, everybody is depending on us. We make the household go. It's, it's glorious because of us. <laughs> we do everything. We have all the, you know, responsibility when it comes to making sure the children are doing well in school, you know, the home, you know, majority and things like that. So you have to make sure that your mind, body and soul is in sync. So that's why it's important. We have to take care of ourselves so that we can give those wonderful children and husbands everything that they need so that they can be successful also. Yes. Got a lot of work, us moms. But it's wonderful. Yeah. 
we do a lot. <laughs> yeah, but I love I love when you I I love how you frame it that way um, because I think a lot of times we can get stuck in the negative language of all that we do and how overwhelmed we are. But when we actually see like 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 literally what we're creating, like what we have the power to create, right? Like we have the power to create these kids who are going to go off and do amazing things, and we have the power, you know, to go off and you know, to not, you know, to not do that. And so it's a lot. It's a big responsibility. Yeah. I think we just try to, you know, set them up as best way possible. You know, we, we do, I think with parents, like you said, parents, parenting, excuse me, does not come with the book, but we do the best that we can do with what we have. And we learn along the way. And when we make mistakes, you know, hopefully we're able to work through those mistakes but I do believe that parents do the best that they can do. And parents are wonderful and children, you know, and, and things. I, I, I do know that. Um, and I also know that children, the children that I see in my practice, they don't get better without their parents. The parents have to, the parents have to help, help us get to that goal. Notice I said us, because I'm going to give you everything that I have. I'm going to give you everything. Um, but I can only do so much. The rest is going to have to come from effort from you, the child, and then the parents. I'm going to need you to reiterate what I told you that I want this child to do. So it's like a whole system working together um, to obtain a common goal, and that is to get these children where they need to be so that when they grow up, you know, they'll have less stress, less anxiety, and hopefully less depression. Um, because they'll learn how to work through it. We, we, we have to be realistic and deal with reality. It's, you know, as long as they live, you know, they're going to have their moments when they're sad, when they're depressed, when they're stressed out. And so we just try to teach them the it's best to work through it, you know, so they'll be able to move on from it. Yes. Oh my gosh. So beautiful. So beautiful. And I, and, and you say there's no books, but now we have these books that we can read with our children and help us to really, you know, show them that this isn't just whack, whack coming from us. It's like, there's a book about it and they can read about emotions and they can read about their ADHD. And it's amazing what you're doing. So thank you. And they can relate to the books. Um, in, in my books, I, I like for our children to be able to see themselves in it. So all of my books are multicultural. You know, I I want everybody to be able to relate to it, to see your, see yourself, and it makes it easier. Uh, I, I think if you can see yourself in these books, and you can. But one thing, I, you know, one thing about all my books, and especially ADHD, I know that when some parent starts to read, they're gonna say, "Oh, that's my child." I just <laughs> that's what that's my child. Oh yes. <laughs> When you start looking at the different things that she goes through, you know, and, and something like that, they're going to be able, definitely parents will be able to relate to that. That's her. Can't find homework when we get to school. I'll put it in a book bag. <laughs> and that's so okay, right? So it's like okay, it's normalizing yeah. it for everybody. It's like. That's right, you know. So, yeah. So it's something that everybody can, can relate and, and can see. You can see themselves in it and then, you know, just just work through the process because the books gives you what you need to help your child. Oh, my gosh. I love it. Well, thank you so much for taking such good care of yourself that you have enough bandwidth to have a private practice and write these amazing books and teach in college and do all the other things that you do, including being a mother yourself. So, I mean, I just think it's amazing that you're putting all these things together and 
and and still have the energy to offer us these beautiful books. So thank you. <laughs> um, I thank you. That's greatly appreciated. Um, so is there anything that I've missed? Is there anything that you want to share with our audience? We'll, we will put all the show notes, or all the show notes. We will put all the links um, to all these amazing resources in the show notes. Um, but tell us anything you want to tell us about how to connect with you or any little tip that we've missed. Okay. Um, as far as the purchasing the book, you can purchase Rex's Journey um, I, um, online at um, any of the major retails or Amazon. Um, Barnes and Nobles, Books and Millions, and you're just all over. I, I saw it on in the Walmart the other day on the thing. Oh my gosh, that must be so fun walking into Walmart and seeing your own book. I, I, I saw it on the um, online, and I went there, and I was like, "What?" <laughs> I remember telling my son, "Look, my book is in Walmart." <laughs> So it is places that you don't even know, but, you know, and uh, it's also available on, on my website, too. Uh, the, AD, the ADHD book, we're actually, we just, we're on the covering, um, doing the cover um, of the book. I The cover, I will say, this book, I was, um, this book is going to be right. Wow. It's me all in this book. From the scenes to everything. I'm working with the illustrator. I need this to look like this and this. I will say on my cover, I wanted Roxy to in a um, Wonder Woman pose. Ooh. In a warrior suit. So cute. So cute. <laughs> and, and and with her dog. And they're both jumping up. So that's going to be cute. So we're working on that cover and stuff, but, um, but that would probably be out later, um, later, later this year, because we want to do pre-orders on that, but. All right. So everyone listening, keep in touch, <laughs> keep in touch. And so, you know, exactly when the pre-orders are happening. Okay. I sure will. I'll let you know. I love it. I love it. All right. Any parting words for, for moms listening just about as we head into this school year, um, I don't know if we, as we, I, can we, we can't say yet we're out of the pandemic. So I don't yeah. know. <laughs> well, I think we, I think what we can, for some children, we can express, uh, we can see some increase like in anxiety. You know, um, I, I think that the best way to help them, you know, work through that is um, like we said, um, taking deep breaths, you know, talk about what they're anxious about and try to validate that to see how you can work through that in a more positive way so they don't look at it so negative. I, I think that's um, that's important. Um, listen, I, I think listen to listen to your children because I think as parents sometimes we don't listen as much as we should. Um, listen to, to try to understand their world and, and, and know where they're coming from. And then try to see how you can come up with a more positive, engaging response so that it doesn't appear as if we're putting them down or we're dismissing what they're feeling. I think that's very important. And if we just remember that um, as we get into the school year, that, you know, perfection is unrealistic expectation and that children are going to have some issues, some concerns and things like that. So just, you know, try to, you know, give them a break sometimes. But also I know we have to address what's going on, but you use that as a teaching moment 
so that it doesn't occur again. And then if it does, then you can deal with it however you see fit. Because they don't well. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I love that. I love that. Well, thank you so much for being here. I'm excited to go check out your books. I hope everybody else is excited too. And thank you for just all that you do. Thank you. At the end of every episode, we always share three doable changes. So you can take what you've heard and put it into action because it is my belief that action is where real change comes from. But here's the thing. And it's something that I've witnessed in my own life over and over and over again. And I've witnessed among thousands of women who are wanting to make a change in their own life is that the action does not have to be huge, even if the change that's wanting to come into being feels like the biggest thing ever. So the little things, they really do add up. So whenever I interview an amazing guest, which I'd like to think is always, so whenever I do an interview, I always share three doable changes at the end so that you can choose one. Choose the one thing that you're going to weave into your life this week and make happen and fit into your schedule, your life, your being, and see if it's one that's meant to stick with you. And then once you've done that little experiment, you can move on to the next experiment. And if you think about this, if you did this once a week for an entire year, you would have 50, 52 new habits, things that you do, ways of being that you can call your own or genuinely decide aren't for you. All right. It's really powerful. So with no further ado, let's tell you what the three we chose from my conversation today with Dr. Ambrose. Number one, try breathing. Try this simple breathing exercise. We've shared this here before. We do this very often in our retreats over in Flow 365. It's something that I call out kind of frequently because it's really, really powerful. And it's called by some the box breath. And it is that you breathe in for four counts. You hold for four counts. You breathe out for four counts. And you hold that out breath for four counts. So you can almost imagine yourself going around the side of a box. And you can do this for two counts. You can work your way up to eight counts. <laughs> like there's no wrong way to do this. Four just seems like a really gentle way and something that you can teach your kids to just do a few rounds of breathing when they're upset before trying to do anything. So basically what you're doing is you're creating a pause both for your reaction and for them. And you're helping them to regulate their system, their nervous system, which is, if they're upset, has, you know, bubbled up and is feeling kind of explosive, probably. And so you're just helping them calm. You're talking them through. You can talk them through this exercise. You can just simply do this with them, breathe with them, and calm down the whole situation. All right? I love this one. So you could experiment with this for a week, just the box brush. Number two, do something that makes you smile. This came up twice in our conversation, so I had to pull it out. 
Kids can use an activity they enjoy, one that really lights them up, not one that we want them to do. And parents need this too. We've all heard that you need to put on your own oxygen mask first before you can care for others. We've heard that self-care is important. And so really start to think of the quality of what you're doing when you put your quote-unquote oxygen mask on, not the quantity. And choose that thing that really fills you up and maybe puts a smile on your face. And this may not be the things that you have on your self-care list if you have one of those even five minutes prior to hearing this episode, really tune in to what is going to bring you joy in the moment that you take the pause. So we always talk about planning, making the space. So if you make this a doable change, you would make the space, make the time for the pause. And then when you get in it, you'd think, what would really serve me now? What would put a big smile on my face? And it might be kind of different than what you thought it would be. All right. I love that one. Number three, these are all really good ones. They're always really good. And sometimes I'm like, it's so mean that I'm making people choose, but there's going to be one of these three that really resonate with you today. So number three is listen and explore. Really listen to your kids. Like really listen. The box breath actually comes in handy for this or any breathing, right? Like, so it's like we pause before we respond and we really listen and ask questions to explore what they are feeling and why. Your job isn't to fix things. Your job, our job, my job, your job, is to help them understand and just work through their emotions. You can help them see a new perspective without diminishing their feelings or telling them to get over it right? Think of those times when, and it's so natural. So I just, I want to point that out. It's so natural to want our kid not to be crying in the middle of the supermarket or to not be, you know, that's a younger kid, maybe an older kid, not to lose it at six o'clock at night when we're tired, right? We want that. But if we can just hold space and listen and explore with them their emotions, oh my gosh, there's so much freedom on the other side. So I highly recommend this one at any stage of parenting. It's, um, It's one that I think I come back to often. It's it's a consistent practice. All right. Those are the three doable changes from this episode. I hope you have fun choosing one. Don't forget, you can always add in another one um, in the weeks to come. And I will see you on the next episode of the Plan Simple Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you know a woman who wants a little more simple and a lot more flow, Share this episode and send them over to the Plan Simple website to download our free course. And if you can find a five minute window today between meetings in the carpool line while you're eating your lunch, head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. This one action plays such a big part in helping other women find us. And I have so much gratitude for you in advance. So thank you so much. Until next week, dream big, plan from your heart, and have a great day.